Episode 4, Vacation Relief to the Rescue. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, and today you're hearing Dr. Nathan Cashin's perspective. For doctors who want a thriving practice and abundant home life, listen as your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, goes behind the curtain and interviews doctors and guests about real-world triumph, struggles, practical tips, and entertainment on this episode of A Doctor's Perspective. Welcome to the show, Dr. Nathan Cashin, Doctor of Chiropractic, Masters of Exercise and Sports Science, and Certified Chiropractic Sports Physician. Not only is he an ultra marathoner, but he is the volunteer social media coordinator of the World Spine Care Organization. He goes into detail about their mission during this episode. Now, what excites me about Dr. Nathan is his slightly unconventional method of practicing. He did fill-in work after graduating, and now he's co-owner of a fill-in vacation relief doctor service, and I can't wait for you to hear more about that. All the show notes can be found at adoctorsperspective.net slash zero four. Stay tuned for the travel tip at the end of the episode. Let's go. Hashtag behind the curtain. Welcome to the show, Dr. Nathan Cashin, chiropractor, podcast host, volunteer extraordinaire, and he'll talk about later, a locum practitioner. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. So you have quite a different path, I would say, based on uh, our, our pre-talk. So let's, let's pick which one would you like to talk about first? Oh, I think we can uh, just kind of talk about me personally and, and my private practice slash business ventures that, <laughs> that I've got going on right yeah. now. Yeah, let's do that. So what, what is going on? What, what, are you, what is a locum business. So locum tenens is pretty familiar to those in the medical profession, uh, though I'm finding most people in chiropractic and maybe physical therapy aren't aware of it. Locum tenens is Latin simply for one who takes the place of, and so it's uh, more widely known as vacation relief. So a locum doctor or locum tenens practitioner uh, goes into a clinic or a hospital and does part-time, whether that's just one day or, or it could be for months on end, but doing part-time vacation relief or other type of coverage for a doctor. Wow. So how did you get into that? Um, somewhat by accident, although as I was finishing up school, it was something that I started to play with. Um, I kind of became aware of it while I was in school and thought, oh, this might be an interesting opportunity if you know, at the time I was uh, single, I was not, I didn't have anywhere to be after I graduated and mm -hmm. had already played with the idea of kind of traveling around. And so locum really fits that lifestyle well, because you can travel all over the world if you'd like. Um, but then once I did graduate and by then I was uh, in a committed relationship, which now I'm married, um, I decided you know, I, I wasn't going to be vagabonding like I kind of <laughs> thought about. But I started interviewing, and one place was interested in hiring me, but the owner of the clinic was out of town for a couple of weeks, and so they just asked, uh, in the meantime, would you mind working on a day-by-day -day basis? And that's how I got started. It started working. I started doing it uh, at other clinics, and I quickly realized that in many ways it was... Uh, more fulfilling and, and certainly more financially uh, productive than working in a salaried position. That is an interesting concept then. 
So you travel all, you're in uh, Oregon, right? Yeah, I'm in Portland, Oregon. And I'm, I'm trying to narrow down the radius that I do it in. And I haven't traveled very far personally. Um, but a lot of people will do it throughout the state. Of course, you have to be licensed, licensed in the state that you're doing it. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, you can travel all over the state. I stay right around in Portland. Wow. So how does somebody, do you have to build the trust with the doctors or is there just a list that you get on and then they're just like, oh, let me just call this guy and it just kind of snowballs after you've done it a couple few times? Yeah, it, it really can. And, and I really got going when I realized that a classmate of mine who graduated a year or so before me what, had been doing it. And she got very busy. She got booked out for the year. And wow. her tip was just sent out some letters. And so I did. I just wrote up a letter, sent it to, I think I sent it to about 100 doctors in the area, um, put in a copy of my resume or CV, and just a simple one-page letter saying, I am licensed, this is what I specialize in, um, but I'm available for this type of work. And the phone calls started coming in. Actually, it was interesting because I got more phone calls offering me a full-time position than looking for coverage. Um, but <laughs> but there were people looking for coverage. And then your name starts getting spread around because w- most people in chiropractic especially aren't accustomed to having regular holidays, regular vacations. And That's so true. something may come up in kind of that last minute, whether it's a family emergency or they get sick and they need somebody to cover and they don't know where to go. And so they end up just talking to colleagues, getting on Facebook discussion groups and just getting a list of say 10 names. And then they have to call around and find out who's available. And that really led to creating the locum business that me and my colleagues have started. Okay. So you actually have a business now kind of where you aggregated a doctors like yourself to go out there and, and, and find jobs Yes. by the day. Yeah, so we started a business, three of us as co-owners, uh, all three of us are chiropractors, um, but then we've brought on independent contractors who can go work on their own, or maybe they have their own practice that they're starting up, and then uh, if, if we find somebody that needs someone to cover for them, we just pick whoever's available, and, and uh, it's worked pretty well. Uh, we were only a couple months in, um, but it's certainly Are you all in Oregon. Yeah, right now we're focusing in Portland and Vancouver only. Um, okay. If you know, if there's somebody further outside of those areas that needs something, we we try to work with them. But so far, it's it, you know it's difficult to branch out that much. So we want to get it working in the area that we're in, and then we're going to start branching it out to the, to other cities as well as potentially other states in the future. Are there airway aid for a doctor like myself who might be looking for your services? How do you, how do they contact you for that? Or is there a way for us to look into it and say, oh, wow, we could talk to you about moving this into some other city or just trying to get an idea of where do I find someone like you? Because I want to take vacation and I'm too busy to take it. Right. And that's exactly why we wanted to start this is because, like I mentioned, some of the clinics that I worked at said, oh, man, I called 10 different people and you're the only one that's available. And, and so we were trying to flip that, that on the head. So now you can just call one place in the area. We have multiple doctors available. So we should be able to, you know, fill whatever dates you're requesting. So, but if you're outside of Oregon, usually it's the state organization. So for instance, the Oregon Chiropractic Association or whatever state you're in, 
um, has a list of locum practitioners, and it's usually just an individual who gives their phone number, their email. Um, okay. If you're in the medical profession, there are a lot of services that do this already, and and so I really heard about it because my wife had a colleague down in uh, New Zealand and Australia who started up a whole business. So he started up just like I did uh, as a medical mm. doctor. I think he was an emergency physician. And he was flying from Australia to New Zealand and sometimes to the islands roundabout to fill in for a weekend when they needed somebody. Wow. And it, he grew it and built it to this international company where, uh, where he provides locum services. So it depends on the profession that you're in. You might be able to find a big business like that, but mainly there's some type of uh, local organization or just a, a Facebook group or discussion group that has names of people that do it. Very good. I mean, I know it's for nurses. One of my friends is an optometrist and she'll do that as well. A lot of fill-in work. So that's really nice because I, I looked into that one time and didn't get any phone calls, but it sounds like I didn't do the um, actual work to get my name out there. I just got put on a list and who knows where it was at. So that's really, really good information there. Um, now, you said you had a podcast called Exploring Chiropractic. You would want to talk about that for a couple minutes? Yeah, Exploring Chiropractic uh, was something I had in mind for years and years. So I, I first became interested in chiropractic really in elementary school. I mean, I, was, I started going in second or third grade. I gave a, like a sharing time presentation on chiropractic in fourth grade and then really became interested in it in high school. How, how in fourth grade? Are your parents chiropractors or what's that story? No, but my parents had been going for a while. And so okay. I think I ended up, and my dad was a carpenter. He did some work for our, for our chiropractor, uh, built, I think he built a room addition or he built like a patio. And so the chiropractor was very willing to offer his services to us. And so I think uh, because of that, my parents just said, well, why don't you see our kids and, and treat them. We were active soccer players and I was in cross country in high school and stuff. So I started going to a chiropractor. It was interesting. It was fun. It felt good. And then in high school, when I was more active and more serious about athletics, um, I started going quite regularly and it interested me. I was interested in anatomy and how the body functions. So, um, I kind of forget the question that led to this, oh, how I got to the podcast. So, so my interest, yeah, yeah. you know, I first went to, to visit a chiropractic school when I was 18. And over the next 10 years or so, probably 12 years, I was just continuously looking into chiropractic schools. And I realized there's not a great resource to tell you what it actually is like at the school. Agreed. And you may be familiar that within chiropractic, there's this spectrum. So there's traditional chiropractic and this philosophy of, of innate intelligence and the bone out of place puts pressure on a nervous system and creates dis-ease. But that's transformed over the years to where now um, chiropractors are, are attempting to become more primary care practitioners. They're using more research evidence to support what they do and sometimes to discard some of the treatments they do. So I know a lot of chiropractors who don't adjust, you know, maybe not at all, but certainly not as their primary treatment. And what a lot of students I realize don't notice is that these, the schools that you can choose are somewhere along that continuum. 
And so you may, if you're interested in the philosophy, you may go to a school that doesn't teach the philosophy. Or if you're interested in the science and the medicine side of it, you may go to a school that is all philosophy and doesn't teach you any of that basic science. And so I wanted to create a way for for prospective students and students to share their experiences. And so it started out just by me introducing, uh, interviewing friends of mine who had gone to other schools and talking about the differences. Mm. And so, so far I've interviewed students at, I think, 12 or so schools in a number of different countries. I've interviewed students in Australia, New Zealand, Barcelona, Spain, um, and in the U.S., and then it's expanded to me interviewing doctors just about stuff that I'm interested in. Um, right. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Now, I will say, just as a caveat, all the schools are accredited by a, a governing board, so they, they all teach everything that they have to teach. It's just that some of them, like you said, will have more of that, we call it straight chiropractic right. philosophy. And, uh, you know, and the science doesn't really even say anything about a bone on the nerve so it's kind of fun that um, we're learning exactly how how what are the issues how are we fixing it and what have what are some of the lessons that you've learned top three maybe lessons you've learned from doing the podcast and talking to the different students uh for those type of uh, listeners today well i've kind of like you said there there is a, a lot of similarity um across all of the schools I think one thing that I noticed even before doing the podcast is that most students choose a school simply because it's the closest one to them. And that oftentimes will lead to a, a sort of disillusionment. Well, they, they will end up in that school of the different philosophy or the different approach. And that can cause some problems. So I had a lot of classmates early on in, in the first few quarters of my schooling who left mm -hmm. because they didn't want to become primary care physicians. And so they, they left to go to a more philosophy-based school. Um, there, there is a certain amount of uh, consistency in, in the curriculum, but the, the emphasis is very different. And I learned that this idea of vitalism and uh, the traditional philosophies of chiropractic are very strong in a couple of the schools, mm -hmm. especially in the States. So if anything, that, that spectrum is, is widening or maybe even becoming more polarized. Um, right. But at the same time, I think I've learned that there are some very impressive students who are very engaged and very, um, very dedicated to becoming the best that they can be. Right. And they could have picked anything and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so they love to talk about what they do. They love to learn about it. They go into way too much debt to do continuing education courses before they graduate uh, and, and add their education by doing master's programs and things like that. Um, so, so it's been pretty inspiring and humbling to interview some of those students uh, and, and to realize that there's a lot more that I can do to become the best practitioner that I can. Now, I've had several people go and get their MBAs after uh, chiropractic school. I guess they've realized that if they want to go and do some kind of upper management, they should do that. Has that ever come up where um, that's a, a route? I think there's one school I know of that is doing a, a joint 
I think, Masters of Public Health while doing your chiropractic degree. And I think that, that does open up your possibilities later. Have you heard about anything like that? A lot of the schools are adding these master's programs, and, and there is one, I believe, that does do an MBA, not in the school, but they partner with another university nearby. Uh, but yeah, they, there's master's of public health. I did a master's of exercise science, um, sports medicine programs out there. Uh, I think Has that helped you at all? In Yeah, in a lot of ways. Um, what's difficult is to really determine whether the program is is going to be financially worth it. So the program I did, um, in the end, I don't know if, if the cost really justifies it, but it gives you a lot more experience. And so I was able to go to high schools and sports sporting events and to see more patients in a different environment, really in an environment that I wanted to be in. Um, so I'm, I can't speak to a lot of the other programs like the Masters in Public Health or the MBA. I can say right. the MBA would be very valuable because another thing that's pretty common across all of the chiropractic schools is you learn nothing about business. And, and not just business as far as the economics and, and how to keep your books you know, in their green, but you don't learn anything about the practical billing procedures, how to contact the insurance companies. I mean, there's these things that are just day-to-day -day in practice right. that... Are, that just don't get covered because it's not on the board exams. And I think that's one of the the, uh, the shortcomings of the education system right now is that mm -hmm. a lot of it teaches to the board exams, but it doesn't teach to the practical day-to-day. -day. And so I started practice and I'm very lost. I'm avoiding insurance as long as I can because it's such, it's a whole other um, degree that you should get to be able to understand it. Right. And now you're having to learn marketing and how to do this uh, locum business as well, I would think. Yeah, I think that last year of school, while they're doing clinicals, they could easily just give you a class or two, you know? Mm -hmm. And mo but, most of the schools do. And I, I can't speak to others. You know, some do better than others. But, we, you know, we had one on billing and coding. But the problem was there was no context at the time. Oh, yeah. So you're in, in – and at my school, at least, when I was in clinic – not only did we not do the billing, we weren't allowed to be involved in the billing. They had a whole billing department. And so we <laughs> did not go in there. We couldn't even choose the, the, the billing codes, the CPT codes. Um, if you're familiar with that, our, you know, our attending physician would have to do that and kind of would guide us, but, but we weren't allowed the opportunity to make mistakes and to get those bills back from the insurance company denying a payment, that's where you really start to learn. And, and when we don't have any experience with that, then you just got to start from zero. Yeah, when you get that one-hour conversation to find out that you just put an, uh, an R instead of an E, and you're like, oh my goodness, I got denied for an E. Okay. So you also said you have a volunteer position. Uh, what is that? Give us a, a little background on that. Yeah, so I volunteer uh, with World Spine Care as their social media coordinator. And, and what that means is I'm the guy behind the scenes posting to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, and helping them out with a lot of things there. So World Spine Care uh, is my favorite charity right now in the world. Um, I've always been interested in charitable organizations and volunteering. And I did that you know, in high school and then after I graduated. And I was, while I was in chiropractic school, I was looking for an opportunity 
to serve and to volunteer using the skills that I was developing. And there's a lot of what are called mission trips, chiropractic mission trips. And, and I did one, and it was a good experience, but at the end I realized that it was lacking two things. Number one, we went to Haiti, and um, it was great to offer the adjustment, but the adjustment wasn't what they really needed. They needed access to clean water, they needed hygiene, they needed um, health services other than chiropractic. And so I was a bit disappointed in that we went and we would just pick a random street set up and adjust 100 people and then leave. And so that person who may be adjusted may never receive another adjustment, no follow-up, no continuity of care. Mm -hmm. And I was really looking for something that was more evidence-based and that did offer that continuity of care. And uh, so searching online, I came across World Spine Care. And I was so impressed that I decided I would run a trail race to raise funds for them so that I could make a donation. And as I did that, the clinical director caught wind of it because I was posting and tagging them. And and, uh, so he contacted me and we started chatting and I tried to get a club going at my school, which didn't work. But then he he asked me if I would help them out. So... um, so World Spine Care is a, a global nonprofit, and their goal is to provide sustainable evidence-based spine care to underserved areas. It's started by Dr. Scott Haldeman, who is a chiropractor, MD, and a PhD neurologist. And he started it, he's towards the end of his career, um, started because he saw this need, because back pain and other musculoskeletal disorders are the leading cause of disability around the world. So we we talk about, you know, the most uh, deadly diseases a lot. But Mm -hmm. the fact is that disability actually has a bigger impact socially, economically, than, than things like cancer and HIV and malaria, all of these health issues, which are very important, but they actually don't have as big of an impact as things like back pain and neck pain. So we need to address that, and that's World Spine Care's goal, is to create clinics in these underserved areas, which are Mm -hmm. integrative, so it's chiropractors, physical therapists, orthopedic surgeons, neurologists, radiologists, and they provide primary spine care. Um, And then that clinic is a partnership with the government, and so it can continue, and it's funded independently. Um, Wow. And it's open year-round in the same location, like a yeah, yeah. It's charity, kind of like a charity hospital or charity clinic. That's yeah. You can always go on Sixth and Main. They'll be there every day. Right, right. So they have clinics in Botswana, the Dominican Republic. We're opening a new one. Actually, I was in India with them back in November, and we opened a new one in uh, Mumbai. And so they're they're established. They're funded. Uh, in a partnership with the government so they're very sustainable and the patients can come and go and you know come two to three times a week if that's what's necessary wow that's really a great model i mean you know i'm in china and there's just everybody they work in like a small farming town it's like everybody has a bulge in their neck a bulge in their back and they can't work and so that's a huge outpouring that they need in, in the world so what a great cause to support and get really behind and uh i know 
thank you for being a part of that and, and serving the chiropractic profession in that way as well. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's, it's fun to be involved. All right, so we're going to switch gears a little bit. And you can tackle this a little bit. You have kind of a little bit of a private practice. You have this locum business. So you kind of answer it however you want to, okay, mm-hmm. these next couple of questions. What, what are some of the top two or three marketing tactics that you use to get the most return on investment with consistent results? Uh, yeah, so that's difficult for me to answer because I've mo- only been in practice short term. And I, and I should clarify, I do practice uh, two days a week in my own practice as an independent contractor <laughs> in a clinic. So I do see my own patients, um, but I'm really just getting started. And so, uh, but I'll, I'll say that some of the things that I'm trying, which I'm starting to see results with, are Facebook okay. advertising and using... Um, I'm trying to think of what what you would call this, but in kind of new media or online businesses, it's known as a lead magnet. So you provide something for free to a patient right. um, on social media or on your website that they download and then you have their email and then you follow up and encourage them to come in and see you. So that's something I've been experimenting with. And I see a lot of others doing it in in positive ways but other realms <laughs> well i'm seeing a lot of chiropractors starting to use it and uh, in some ways it's not good you know i saw i came across one website where it was you know low back pain did you know dot 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 low back pain tends to get worse if you don't do anything about it <laughs> right and i thought oh my gosh why are we resorting to this fear-mongering tactics because the evidence says that actually if it's uh your first bout of back pain it's going to get better within about two weeks, mm-hmm. whether you go to a doctor or not. And so I think using right. those types of tactics are unfortunate. And so I'm trying to provide information that's educational, that's evidence-based um, to get people. Use interested. a different tagline. Yeah. <laughs> there's plenty of, there's plenty. Of, so you're using kind of like a, like a click funnels or a lead pages. Mm-hmm. Right. And download, download this free ebook about five exercises to strengthen your back. Right. And then you can just drip mail them after mm-hmm. that. Right. Yeah, I'm really looking into that. I'm trying to learn how to do that. I'm hoping to get some people on that actually do that for a living, and they can really discuss that and uh, probably be really good with their business. But you're like, I've seen them a lot on Facebook, and it seems to be working. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing it. Yeah, and there's some people who are very successful with it. Uh, the other thing that I'm really interested in that I haven't implemented personally is mm-hmm. is this idea of using new media or YouTube videos, podcasting. Uh, as a way to reach out to patients. And so it's, it's kind of funny because I started my podcast my first year in chiropractic school. I had been doing it for about a year and I realized, man, this is awesome. This is valuable. Why don't chiropractors do this? And I thought to myself, maybe I should create an online course to teach chiropractors how to create podcasts to enhance their business to, for marketing. I thought about it for a few seconds and I said, that's stupid. All this stuff is available for free online. <laughs> and then not long after that, I came across this guy, uh, another podcast um, called The Chiropractic Philanthropist and started following him. And months later, he <laughs> started offering his podcast training for chiropractors at something like $600 a pop and people were going crazy for it. And I thought, dang it. Another yeah. opportunity missed. So, and he is huge right now in the chiropractic world. I mean, his I think he's like the number one podcast there, and mm-hmm. I follow him. He he's got a lot going on. He's he's really uh, killing it, as they say in the online world of business yeah. and podcasting. So he's definitely a model to look at. 
Oops. <laughs> so we're gonna get we're gonna keep on moving. Do you have any five year goals that you have for yourself, and how do you know if they are worthy of pursuing? I'd have to say my my number one goal is to pay off my student loans. Okay. Um, so. I won't, I won't be too personal here, but I could say that the average chiropractic student leaves school with around $200,000 in debt. And yeah. most of them tend to just accept the fact that that is a 10 or a 20-year loan. Mm. And they get on income-based repayment, which means for the first couple of years, they'll probably be paying zero. Um, from then on, you know, it'll gradually increase as they start to make money. Uh, I don't like that model. I don't think that's sustainable economically on the global scale, on the you know, on the bigger picture. So my goal is to have the loans paid off, hopefully within three, but definitely five years. Um, it's a huge challenge. Early on in the, in the podcast, I interviewed Dr. Lona Cook, who was able to do it in two years flat. So she was able to pay off her student loans in exactly two years after graduating. So it's doable, um, but... You know, it, it's going to require a lot of hard work and a lot of help from from my wife and support in that way to be able to to accomplish that. But I think that's the number one goal. And then also finding finding a way to have some type of passive income. You know, you whether it's the podcast, whether it's some type of online business related to health and chiropractic, um, so that I can explore my many other hobbies and interests. This Admiral goals right there. So we're going to completely switch gears here, going to a little more personal side. How can doctors, how can yourself take more vacation? How can we take more vacation? Well, number one, it should simply be part of your yearly schedule. And so the big, the big problem is that many chiropractors own their own clinic. Mm -hmm. And because of that, it, it really becomes their their brainchild, their baby, they have they have a hard time letting go of it. Um, mm. So a great book to read is The E-Myth Physician. So a lot of people are familiar with The E-Myth. Uh, there's The E-Myth Chiropractor. I, I wouldn't recommend either of those because they're much more dense. And just, I didn't find The E-Myth Chiropractor very accessible or, and it might just be because of the type of practice. But The E-Myth Physician is much smaller and has the key principles. So you need to find systems to make the business run so that you can step away, bring somebody in if needed. Um, but it just, it just needs to be a priority. And I think, you know, I, I talked to a colleague of mine who is six years in practice and I, I was covering for him. And he said, you know, this is the first time I've taken a week off since I started my practice. In like six years? Been, in six years. So he had taken, you know, a day or two there for holidays, but he had never just taken a, a week off. So how can you do it? Well, make it a priority. Find a locum service. <laughs> yes. Such as such as I'm offering. And and get familiar. Use them here and there just to take a day off to make sure mm -hmm. that you're confident in their abilities. And then book a week or two and get your family away. The you know, what a lot of people don't realize is that time off oftentimes will regenerate you and allow you to become more productive in your practice. It's very true. Great answer. What, what preoccupies your mind besides just chiropractic? Do you have any hobbies or kids or uh, anything like that? 
no kids yet. Um, I have so many hobbies. I think as we've touched on, mm-hmm. social media podcasting, um, trail running, uh, which I had to give up when I got into clinic, but I did run a couple of ultra marathons while I was in school, and I'd love to be able to get back into that. Congrats. Um, but as far as occupying my mind, um, I've always been very concerned with education and going through from high school to a junior college, then to a four-year university, and then to graduate school, I see a lot of things missing. And so if if the opportunity presented me, I would love to, uh, to find ways to improve that, to improve education, especially in chiropractic school, because I don't think that we're on par with many medical programs. Um, I think we cover a lot of the material, but we're not given the opportunity to become proficient. And so I think there are a lot of, um, a lot of holes in education in general, but specifically in healthcare education. So getting a little extra personal, you can choose to answer however you want. You have, your, you have a spouse. What, what are things we can do for our spouse or whatever to keep our love alive and to really feel connected so that we have that, that home and life, work-life balance? Yeah, so I'm I'm newly married, so that's you know I don't have the experience to back this up. Uh, but for us, it certainly has been. Uh, it comes back to that idea of taking time away from work. Um, we both love to go out into nature. We love to travel, and so that has been a way for us to reconnect um, when the busy life of work really stresses us out. Then we we go out locally here to Mount Hood or down to sisters and bend oregon which are beautiful ski resort areas and we'll we'll snow ski or we've done some cross-country skiing but snowshoe and trail run and that's what we really love to do so it's it's different for every couple what something that they love to do together but but that's something that we really enjoy very nice do you have any kind of morning or like lunch routine that grounds you or excites you for the rest of the day that just you're like i have to do this every day you know, I tr- I'm trying to develop that. Um, my mornings are, because I have kind of so many different projects, each day is not consistent. So I've been working on that lately. If I could say what the ideal thing would be, it would be to wake up pretty early, 5.30 or before, get a workout in, um, whether it's running, the gym, spin class, uh, something like that come home, get a good breakfast, uh, unless it's a day that I'm doing intermittent fasting. Oh, uh, yeah. And do some type of um, mindfulness, mindfulness activities. I've been trying. I use the, the iPhone app Calm uh, to do some guided meditation for really just 10 minutes, uh, trying to get into that habit. And I like to read. I, I Reading really grounds me and really helps me to um, to keep some very important principles in mind when I'm seeing patients. I think when we're, when we're busy in practice, we oftentimes get, get stuck into this flow of, of routine, mm-hmm. and we may not pay attention to exactly what patients need. Um, and so I, I like to read a lot of books and, and research. You know, Scott Haldeman, again, who started World Spine Cure, uh, was quoted in a podcast as saying, if you're not reading five to ten hours a week, you're not staying current, and so you're going to become obsolete pretty quickly. So I, I try to take that to heart. Five hours is difficult, um, but 
So I think that's it. So get up early, work out, have a good breakfast, meditate, and study. What type of uh, books? You mentioned E-Myth Physician. Any other type of books that you would either A, recommend or that you find yourself kind of gravitating towards over and over again on a daily basis or whatever? Yeah, so so lately for me, I've been reading the CRISP manuals or books. So that's Clinical Reasoning in Spine Pain. And this comes from Dr. Don Murphy, who's a researcher and a chiropractor in Rhode Island. And one of the one of the kind of leaders in this idea of a primary spine practitioner. Mm-hmm. So the CRISP, there's one for the low back pain and for neck pain. Uh, and I, th- I think for, chi- for chiropractic students, it really does a good job of bringing together everything that we learn. You know, we learn diagnostics uh, and exam and, and everything. And then we go to a different class and we learn soft tissue. And then we go to a different class and we learn adjusting. At least for me, I didn't find that we had a class that brought that all together. And these manuals do a really good job of that. And so it takes you from the very beginning the things that you should consider from ruling out red flags to determining what is the pain generator and then determining, okay, how do you address it? So I, I really love that. I've, you know, I've read so many books um, this year. I've actually, one thing I've loved about graduating from school is having time to read. And so I was just looking the other day and I've gone through, I, I think about 15 books since I've graduated. Uh, but those definitely are some of the top ones I'd recommend. Good job. Last question. This is just fun, so just shoot from the hip here. What would be your favorite phone app? It could be business or pleasure. If I were to create one myself or one that exists? No, just one that you consistently use and just love to play. Uh, Let me take a look here. Um, I don't play many games. I've been playing with Snapchat, but that one's kind of going away. Um... I'll share one or two. So one that I recently came across that is related is called Fizzy Track. Um, so that's Fizzy, like like physical therapy track, and it comes out of Australia, and it's it is an online resource of exercises for rehab, for yoga, for weight training, and it really allows good patient management. So there's a lot oh, of okay. these out there. There's um, Web PT. Neurogym is also from Australia. Now they're called Evidence in Motion or Evidence in Exercise. I can't remember what it, what the new name is. But basically, it's a way to prescribe movements for the patient. A lot oh. of them out there, but I love PhysiTrack because it's a great library of thousands of movements. And it's got a free iOS and Android app for you as the practitioner to create the prescriptions and for your patient to download for free to have it in the palm of their hand and they can look at what okay what are the exercises i'm supposed to be doing and how do i do them again so wow. it, it really can help improve the um the compliance of rehab programs so you can create a protocol and just email it to them yeah wow and and you it's can, free that's pretty amazing yeah it's i think it's ten dollars a month for the clip for the practitioner uh, which is very affordable uh, but that's unlimited patients, and the patients can access it for free. Very nice, very nice. Well, uh, how can people find you today? Um, yeah, so a couple places. Um, <laughs> exploringchiropractic.com is my podcast, and I'm on Twitter and Instagram with that as well. Latitude Northwest is the locum business that we've started, so that's latitudenorthwest.com, uh, and again on 
Twitter and social media. And then personally, NathanCashin.com. And that's Cashin spelled like fashion, but with a C. NathanCashin.com. And I'm Nathan Cashin on Twitter uh, and Instagram and all over the internet. Very nice. Any closing remarks? Um, no, thank you for the opportunity. And it, it, this helps rejuvenate my interest in, in podcasting and interviewing some people. Uh, and also check out World Spine Care, worldspinecare.org. And and you can follow me there on social media as well, World Spine Care, uh, on all of the different channels. But if you're interested in spine pain and spine care, check it out. Because uh, something I've been reading about recently is is this idea of, I guess, evidence-based giving or evidence-based charity, the idea of doing the most good that we can with whatever resources we can offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a lot of great charities out there, but many of them already have more funds than they can handle. And wow. so if if you want your money to do the most good it can, uh, look at something like World Spine Care because they can definitely use the funds. And I think their model is sustainable and is evidence-based and it does a lot of good addressing the number one cause of disability throughout the world. Dr. Nathan, it's been a pleasure having you today, and I hope many blessings for the, uh, this following year for you. Thank you very much. Thanks again for being on the show, Dr. Nathan. All the show notes can be found at adoctorsperspective.net slash zero four. I got a lot out of this interview. I'm really intrigued with the business that you're doing. I'm really excited that you're giving back and you plug the world spine care. I do think that's a great organization. If anybody else wants more information on that, you can contact him on social media, like he said. Also, part of this podcast, I am looking to highlight volunteer organizations locally and globally. So if you are a member of one, definitely get in contact with me. I'd love to have you on the show. That was hashtag behind the curtain with Dr. Nathan. Cashin. Travel tip is coming up next. I almost forgot. I am putting the final touches on a free ebook that I want to give to you guys and gals. Please go to doctorsperspective.net, top, side, the bottom. There's all kinds of places where you can sign up. Put your email and your name for updates. Once the book is complete, I will send you a email and then you can download it. It is going to be my secret hacks about health, weight loss, strengthening the spine, different things like that. It's very actionable. It's implementable. It's not only can you use it, but also your patients. So go on over to a doctorsperspective.net, sign up, and you'll be the first to know when that ebook is ready for downloads. I am quite active on social media, and the easiest way to connect is to head over to a doctorsperspective.net. Look at the top right, and you'll see all the social media icons. Just pick your flavor and friend me. I found out in practice that people can hardly pronounce Trosclair, much less spell it. Because of that, and username lack of availability, I have a mix of my name and Cajun Cairo. I'm from South Louisiana, aka Cajun Country. I am a Cajun. I am a chiropractor, Cajun Cairo. You will find travel photos, updates, fun comments, etc. Connect, comment, and I'll respond back. Travel tip today. When you're traveling somewhere, whether any city really, you want to try to clump things together, as in places to visit. So find an area of town that you want to visit, and then 
do a search for on things to do and try to find stuff that's in that area. That way you can maximize your day. You don't want to see the top three things in the city and realize that they're all an hour away and you have several days of, of touring available. So just maybe downtown, you might hit up a few things there. Next day, you might do the outskirts of town on the northwest side or, or whatever. But it seems obvious, but I've just talked to people who feel like they've wasted so much time traveling you know, on the way, trying to get to all these different places where if they just would have done a little bit more planning, they wouldn't have that issue and they could have maximized their time there. So that's your tip for today. We just went hashtag behind the curtain and this episode has come to an end. I hope you got the right dose for your optimal life. Please spread the word about this podcast by telling two friends, sharing on social media, and visit the show notes on a doctorsperspective.net to see all the references from today's guest. A sincere thank you in advance. You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trosclair, giving you a doctor's perspective.